Book Ten, The Android, Chapter One. My name is Marco. People call me Marco the Magnificent, Marvelous Marco, the Amazing Marco, and of course, all the girls just call me Gorgeous. Okay, maybe I've never actually heard anyone call me Gorgeous, but I am confident that someone somewhere must have called me Gorgeous at some point, or not. But definitely cute. I've heard cute with my own ears, and I'll soon be hearing it a lot more because I've made a major change. I've cut my hair, or at least my stylist Charisse cut it for me. That's right, Charisse. And according to Charisse, my cuteness quotient has risen from a nine to a definite ten. Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, I was telling you that my name is Marco. I can't tell you my last name. I forgot it. No, not really. I'm kidding. I know my last name. I'm just not going to tell you, and I'm not going to tell you the complete names of my friends or where I live. What I will tell you is the truth, all except for the part about magnificent and marvelous. Everything else I tell you will be true. I know it will seem incredible, but it will be the absolute truth. Let's start with the reason I won't tell you my last name. I have enemies. We all sort of do. But these guys are very powerful, very dangerous enemies. Not like the guy in your class who keeps calling you Dorkwad. And if they knew who I was, I'd be dead so fast I wouldn't even know I was dead. The Yurks don't play games. The Yurks don't worry about pity or kindness. They don't care that I'm just a kid. The Yurks plan to enslave or destroy the entire human race. They won't hesitate to roll right over little old me. The Yurks aren't just my enemies, though. They are the enemies of every human being, the enemies of Earth itself, and they are everywhere. There are parasitic species. Think tapeworms. That's what they are when you get right down to it. Intelligent tapeworms. They are slugs, just a few inches long. They enter the human body through the ear canal. Once inside, they flatten themselves out and wrap themselves around your brain. They squeeze into all the folds and wrinkles of your brain and tie into your thoughts. They take over. They make you into what we call a controller, a human machine, a body whose own true mind is shattered and helpless. That's the special horror of the Yurks. They don't just take over your mind and eliminate you. You continue to be aware. You continue to be conscious. You sit there in your own head, watching the Yurk open your memory, watching the Yurk fool your friends and family. Watching the Yurk turn the people you love into the same kind of slave you've become. You try to move your hand, but you can't. You try to make your mouth speak, but you can't. You don't even control what your eyes look at. That's what it's like. My mother is one of them, a controller. For a long time, we thought she had died. I believed she had drowned, but I learned later that she was still alive. A very powerful Yurk had taken her body. I don't even know how long she was a controller before she disappeared. I don't know how many times her goodnight kiss was the action of a Yurk trying to pass as a human. She is Visser One now. A Visser is a sort of Yurk warlord or general. Visser One launched the secret invasion of Earth. Visser Three is now in charge. Visser One, in my mother's head, took off after faking her death by drowning. She's somewhere now. Maybe millions of miles away. No one knows about my mom but me and my best friend Jake. 
I don't want the others to know. I don't want their pity. The Yerks are here. Everywhere. Not just my mother, but maybe yours too. Maybe your teacher. Maybe your best friend. Maybe everyone around you. When you get together with family and friends, you may be the only one in the room who is not a controller. That's why we fight them. We Animorphs. I made up that word, by the way. Pretty cool, huh? Animorphs. Just popped into my head. Animal Morpher. See, not every alien in the universe is a yerk. The universe has its heroes, too. It was one dying doomed Andalite who gave us our power to acquire the DNA of any animal, and then to become that animal. His name was Alfangor. He, and a lot of other Andalites, died trying to save Earth from the Yerks. So for him, and for all the people of Earth, we fight, hoping to slow the Yerks down enough so that the Andalites will have a chance to come again and save us all. Who is we? Well, there's me, Marco the Magnificent. Then there's Rachel, who thinks she's Xena, Warrior Princess. And there's Tobias, the Bird Boy. And Cassie, the Tree Hugger. And Axe, our resident Andalite. And of course, our fearless leader, my boy Jake. My way too serious best friend Jake. Responsible, practically adult Jake. Jake, who grinds my nerves with his total refusal to just have a good time. Look, I said to Jake, it's not a crime or anything. There's absolutely no law against dogs going to outdoor concerts. They don't have a ticket for dogs. You know, Marco, the point of morphing is not to get us into concerts, Jake said. We were walking down one of the streets of our subdivision. We'd shot some hoops down at the outdoor basketball court, and now Jake was dribbling the ball as we walked. Nine Inch Nails. Alanis. Offspring, I said. He stopped and stared at me. Marco? Yeah? What happened to your hair, man? You're just noticing? Looks cool, huh? Jake just stared. Offspring? He asked. You're sure Offspring will be there? I could see him weakening. He was dribbling slower. I hear they are so great live. They kick. They dominate. They crush all opposition underfoot. They rule. They... Marco, after I've criticized Rachel and Cassie for using morphing for personal reasons, I can't just... Who's going to tell them? I argued. I ran my fingers through my new, shorter hair. It was cool looking. I wasn't even going to pay attention to the way Jake just stared at it. It looked cool. I'd be a hypocrite, Jake said. I thought for a moment. You know, Jake, I have long suspected that Alanis might be a controller. And, as a controller, think of the damage she could do by leading young, impressionable kids like us astray. Oh, I hate to even think about it. We have a duty, Jake. We have a sacred duty to go to that concert and find out once and for all whether any of these major stars are controllers. Jake smiled a slow smile. That is easily the most pathetic excuse you have ever come up with. I laughed. Get serious. I've come up with lots of more pathetic excuses than that. We were almost at Jake's house, so we stopped. Jake's brother Tom is one of them. A controller. We don't talk inside his house. You know, Jake said, the only possible way I could go along with this is if I found out you were going to this thing anyway. Then, see, I'd have to go along, reluctantly, just to watch your back. Jake may be responsible and all, but he isn't a total 40-year-old. I grinned. Jake, 
I'm going to this concert whether you like it or not. Then I guess I better go, just to cover your butt, Jake said. You'll have to figure out how to cover that hair. I made a face. Real funny. I thought so, Jake said, grinning at his own wit. I'm going to morph Homer, I guess. You're right, dog is the way to go. No one will even think anything about us being there, since there's always dogs at outdoor stuff. And dog hearing is great. You need to acquire a dog morph. Already have, I said smugly. An Irish setter. Girls love Irish setters. <laughs> I laughed my evil laugh and gave Jake a look, and he laughed too. There are moments in your life that seem totally innocent at first, you know? Like normal everyday stuff. But then it's like you stepped off a cliff and before you know it, you're falling. Suddenly you realize your innocent little decision has gone spinning out of control. I had decided to sneak into a concert. I had not decided to uncover one of the greatest secrets of human history, or become the person who would decide the fate of an entire race. I just wanted to hear some music. It should have been no big deal. Chapter 2 there are a couple big problems with morphing. First of all, there's the two-hour time limit. If you stay in a morph for more than two hours, you stay forever. Second, there is the fact that all of the animal's basic instincts come along with the body. Sometimes when you jump into that animal brain, it's like grabbing onto a power line. Finally, there is the total creepiness factor. I mean, major Stephen King meets Anne Rice creepy. The concert was taking place at this big outdoor arena that's at one end of the city park. We needed a private place to morph, but that turned out not to be so easy. There were people everywhere. Thousands of people. Kids in black t-shirts. Displaced deadheads with their little granny sunglasses and dreadlocks. Parental units carrying babies and trying to look cool in their dockers. And hardcore punk rockers with pierced everythings. Across from the park, there was this little street with coffee shops and restaurants and an ecology bookstore. There were alleys behind the restaurants, and we headed there. Down one alley, we found a little dead-end area stuffed with dumpsters. Wonderful, Jake muttered. The two of us and the garbage. This is already fun. Come on, let's do it, I said. I was impatient. I could hear a warm-up band racing through a power set. You haven't morphed a dog before, have you? Jake asked me. No. He smiled. Don't get too happy, he said. I didn't really pay any attention to him. I looked around and saw some hippie girls walking by. They couldn't see us. I removed my outer clothing and stripped down to my morphing suit. I stuffed my clothes and shoes into the bag Jake and I had brought along and shoved it behind the dumpster. I focused on the dog I had acquired. I saw it in my mind, and as I focused, I felt the changes begin. I've morphed much weirder things than dogs, but every morph is strange. Every morph is unpredictable. You never really know how it's going to go. I expected the first thing to be fur. It wasn't. The first thing that happened was the tail. I felt it just sort of spurt out of the base of my spine. I turned to look back over my shoulder. Oh, gross! The tail was sticking out, but it had no fur yet. It was just this kind of grayish chicken skin whip. I looked back at Jake. His face was bulging out like something was trying to climb out of his mouth. At the same time, my own muzzle started to grow. There was a weird grinding sound from inside my head as the bones of my jaw stretched outward. 
I felt an itching in my mouth as my teeth grew bigger and rearranged themselves. I saw my fingers shrink up inside my hands. At the same time, the little stubs of fingers grew these gray-black nails. My palms became thick and calloused. I felt the bones in my legs and arms stretching, changing directions, and I began to grow slightly smaller. Suddenly, I couldn't stand up anymore. I fell forward onto my calloused pads. Only then did the fur begin to grow. It was a good thing, too. I was one ugly animal without fur. The reddish fur sprouted quickly, like the world's fastest grass. It just seemed to explode out of my skin, long and silky. Cool, I said to Jake and Thoughtspeak. Check out this fur. Every girl in that concert is going to want to pet me. He said something back to me, but right then the dog senses kicked in. I've morphed a wolf, so I was prepared. I knew the hearing would be amazing. I knew the sense of smell would be incredible. But what I didn't expect was the dog's mind. It was not like the wolf. The wolf was a cool, intelligent, ruthless killer. The dog was just a big goof. You remember that old song, Girls Just Wanna Have Fun? That could be the theme song for dogs. Dogs just want to have fun. That's what fooled me. The Irish setter's brain didn't feel like some strange animal. It felt like it was just tapping into a part of my own mind. It was a perfect fit with the goofball part of my own brain. I looked over at Jake through my slightly dim dog vision. He had become his dog, Homer. I lolled out my tongue and panted. Jake slash Homer panted right back at me. I barked for no reason. I did a little dance. Sort of like I was going to run away, but then I stopped suddenly and crouched down on my front legs and grinned like an idiot at Jake. I was inviting him to play. I tore off down the alley at a run. Marco, wait up! Catch me! Ha <laughs> Like you ever could! I scrabbled away at top speed, my nails clicking on the concrete, my floppy ears flying, my tail held high and wagging. I raced down the alleyway, totally ignoring the rich, wondrous smells of rotting garbage. I turned toward the park and raced across the street. Jake fell back, caught up in a small knot of people. Screech! A car slammed on its brakes and missed me by a couple of feet. A couple of feet! I mean, if the driver had been one millisecond slower to hit the brakes, I'd have been roadkill. But my complete dog brain reaction to that near-death experience was, Cool, I smell something. I'm totally serious. The fact that I smelled some other dog's pee on a curb was about 10,000 times more interesting to my dog brain than the squealing car was. The driver got out and started yelling. I gave him a happy dog grin and trotted on my way. Marco, would you wait up? Suddenly, I was surrounded by people, but they were totally different from the people I'd seen when I was still a human. For one thing, I wasn't really looking at these people. I was smelling them. What they looked like was so totally not important. But the smells! I smelled sweat. I smelled shampoo. I smelled bad breath. I smelled what they had been eating. I smelled what they had stepped in. I smelled laundry detergent. I smelled everyone they had touched or shaken hands with. And I could smell all of their animals. The humans might as well have been wearing big neon signs that said, I own a dog, or I have cats. I could not only smell who owned dogs, I could smell whether the dogs were male or female, young or old, fixed or not. Just by sniffing the people walking past, I knew if their dogs ate canned or dry food. I mean, when you hook up to that dog nose, it's like you've been walking around with cotton balls up your nostrils all your life, and suddenly you take them out and wow, wow, you're into a whole new experience of life. I'd been a wolf in the forest, 
Now it was like I was a wolf in civilization. The information from my nose was so complex, so full, so rich, so enjoyable. Hey, boy, someone said. A girl. I was sure she was a girl. But was she a cute girl? I tried to make my dog eyes focus, but it was like sight was just irrelevant. I could see pretty well, but my dog brain was too busy smelling and hearing. I did notice the scent of patchouli oil, though. The girl reached out a hand and stroked my head. Instantly, a warm wave of pleasure washed over me. Then she scratched behind my ear. This was almost too good. This was sublime. This was probably the best thing I'd ever felt in my life. I think I could have just stood there and let her scratch behind my ear forever. But then she was joined by a guy. A guy who owned a cat, incidentally. And she started in on my ribs. I lay down and rolled on my side. The scratching of my ribs felt like tickling. I was so happy. I was beyond happy. See, dog happy isn't like human happy. Human happiness always has this little voice in the back of your mind going, Don't be too happy. Keep your guard up. Something bad could still happen. But dog happy is just pure, distilled essence of happiness. I just lulled my wet tongue out and slapped my tail against the grass. And then it started. My leg started going all on its own. Huh, I love it when dogs do that. The guy said. That's so funny. His girlfriend scratched away on my ribs, and my back leg just motored away, out of control, and I was in heaven. That's when Jake found me. That's nice, Marco, Jake said. Very dignified. What's next? You going to lick yourself? Oh, it's another dog, the girl said. He's even cuter. She leaned forward to bet Jake. That brought me to my senses. No way was Jake a cuter dog than me. Okay, okay, that's enough playing around, I said. Come on, Jake, let's get closer to the stage. We took off, tails wagging, leaving the nice hippie couple behind. See, I told you, Marco, don't get too happy. A happy dog is almost too happy. Why? I asked a little wistfully. Why not just get happy? Then something stunning happened. There had been no music for a few minutes, and all at once... Offspring climbed on stage and unloaded. They ripped into a song and I cowered a little. The impact on my dog ears was shocking. But it wasn't just that it was so loud. It was that I could hear everything. Everything. Hey, I can understand the lyrics now, I said. Cool, Jake answered. We trotted closer into a thickening crowd of humans. The smells were just overwhelming. And not always in a good way. Suddenly, I saw him. He was passing out flyers. He was walking through the crowd and passing out handbills. A breeze caught one of the sheets and it fluttered to the ground in front of me. I forced my dog eyes to look at it. I couldn't read the fine print, but I could see the two big words at the top. The sharing. The sharing. The front organization for controllers. Jake, I said. That guy. He's handing out flyers for the sharing. Yeah. You know what? Does he look familiar, or is it just my imagination? He had brown hair, just a little over his ears. He was maybe five feet tall, but he managed to look taller. A slightly shorter version of Jake, strong and confident looking. Yes, he's familiar. His name's Eric King. He transferred out of our school like a year ago. Eric was coming closer, smiling and handing out flyers to anyone who would take one. He knelt down and smiled at me. 
He reached out to pet me, but I pulled back. Eric shrugged and walked on his way, handing out flyers. Jake, did you notice it? Oh yeah, he said. Definitely. Aw oh, man, I said. There is something very, very wrong with Eric. Hello, Phantomorphs, and welcome back to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Book 10, everybody, we're here, double digits. Uh, very exciting. This is, of course, um, as you have certainly surmised from the last chapter, the one with Eric King, where, where Eric King is introduced. Uh, an iconic moment in Animorphs history, to be sure. Uh, related, I have a fun Animorphs fact for everyone today. Um, you might have noticed in Chapter 1 we spent quite a bit of time talking about Marco's haircut. And in fact, the reason we talk so much about Marco's haircut in this book is because the child actor, or sorry, child model they, they had cast for the book cover, uh, between the casting and the photo shoot for this book, he had gotten a haircut. And so then he had short hair, where Marco is described with having longer hair. And they thought, this kid's perfect. We've already cast him. Everything's set up for the photo. What are we going to do? So uh, K. Applegate quickly wrote in a little bit about how Marco got a haircut at the beginning of this book. So the more you know. I also got a message from Tumblr user Avian Dalek, uh, which says... I just listened to you guest starring on Creepy Critters, and all I could hear was Axe yelling when you said, Look, big fish fuck good. Uh, thank you, Avian Dalek. Um, I had a lot of fun on that episode. Uh, for, I haven't mentioned it here though, actually, but I was, I did guest star on an episode of Creepy, excuse me, on an episode of Creepy Critters with my friend Jesse. Uh, it is a podcast about cryptids, and I did his one-year anniversary roundup where he had a look back on all the cryptids he's covered, and we decided what the new sexy monster for 2019 would be. So be sure to check that out. I had a lot of fun. Uh, well, if you liked this, be sure to give me a rating and review on iTunes, or tell a friend about it. If you don't use iTunes, that'd be cool too. Or just keep listening. Uh, no pressure. If you'd like to reach me about this, you can do that at audiomorphscast at gmail.com or audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. And of course, if you want to hear more of me just saying real dumb stuff, be sure to check out my other podcast, OK Crusader, found at shoutengine.com slash okcrusader or by searching OK Crusader on your podcatcher. This is one where I get guests and we discuss... Uh, random characters from the unofficial Marvel fan wiki and how dateable we find them. I just wrapped up uh, my season one finale and put that out last week. A lot of fun. A lot of big shakeups to my rankings. Um, if, if it sounds interesting, go check it out. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, that's all I got for this week, so I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then... We fight. I change shapes just to hide in this place, but I'm still.